The Dreyfus case is the classic case of miscarriage of justice. After fifty years, we are only just coming to a full understanding of the triviality, the prejudice, the casual cruelty, and the clannishness which sent a wholly innocent man to isolation on a bare Caribbean rock, kept him there for five years, and with a lack of scruple and a tenacity worthy of a better cause, checked every move to reopen the case. The complications, born of the sheer mass of evidence, genuine and invented, and of the equal mass of involuntary error and hard lying, are partly responsible for the fact that over a course of more than half a century, minor details of this extraordinary case are still surfacing. Although a great measure of the heat engendered between 1894 and 1902 has evaporated, the passions of the past smolder. There survive fanatical partisans of the original accusation and infrequent vendors of new theories. The affair is unique in that a reference to it can still throw defenders of the raison d'etat onto the defensive. It involved all the rival theories of the state. It disturbed profoundly the whole of France, and stirred sympathy in many other countries. The trouble from the beginning lay in the nature of the case itself. It affected not only the army, it influenced powerfully the religious framework and organization. It involved the other great organs of state, the government, parliament, and the judiciary. It appealed in particular to the literate public, resulting in a tumult of the intellectuals, not yet entirely appeased. It cut across political affiliations, exacerbated personal loyalties, and divided families. In 1955 I published The Dreyfus Case, a reassessment, an account based, so far as I then knew or could discover, on all the existing evidence and on the contemporary political and social background. A year or so later, Messrs. Plon published in Paris the Journal de l'Affaire Dreyfus by the late Maurice Paléologue. Selected from the diaries he had kept during the heroic period of the case, before the suicide of Henri. Some critics believed he had manipulated them, but no one could be sure. There is, I think, no doubt that he had edited certain of the entries later. Apart from an entry, ostensibly of January 1899, in which he offers what he calls a constructive hypothesis that there were, in fact, three villains, Maurice Weil, Esterhazy, and a very high-ranking officer, on whom no suspicion has yet fallen. The book raises no serious issues. In 1961 there appeared L'Affaire Sans Dreyfus by M. Marcel Thomas, an acute and painstaking archivist. It revealed that many papers to do with the case, which I and others believed to have been destroyed, partly in September 1914, at the time of the Marne fighting and the threat to Paris, partly at the time of the collapse in June 1940, had in fact been preserved.
They include the mass of documents accumulated and commented by General Gons in 1898, and examined by the then Captain Guinet, the first person to notice that the faux Henri was not a genuine document. M. Thomas's examination of these papers put beyond doubt the complicity of General Gons, Major Louth, and Staff Sergeant Gribelin in the wholly complicated web of Henri's activities.